with the release of the workshop, Blizzard introduces a powerful tool, so far only on the PTR, that might revitalize, dare I say, revive interest in Overwatch and might seriously impact the future of the game. I find myself not alone in being a little bit of a pessimist these past couple of months, seeing engagement rates, not just in my content or in the content that other people uh, create, but also in terms of streaming numbers, even though they're not really um, an indication of how well a game is doing. But I also believe the active player base was down in recent reports. And as such, a sort of decline and a sort of perceived past peak um, was sort of announcing itself. And pessimists like myself saw a pattern in comparison to other esports. Now, with this tool, comes in really more than a glimmer of hope. And I will contextualize that a little bit in terms of why I think this, this tool is such a big uh, thing, not just in itself, but also what it communicates in terms of the values or the direction that Team 4 or the development team might have taken for the future. So <clears throat> what I will say is, is that I consider the workshop as sort of ex a tool that is exponential in value. So even if I say that developing the tool might have taken a very, very long time and a lot of man hours, it is hard to conceive of a reality, even pessimistically, where that in these man hours aren't making their value back exponentially. I think this is one of those tools that has multiplicative value, will have impact on a multitude of different facets of the game, be it from drilling, be it from having better practice environments, to having fun little game modes and just bringing new players in. Um, in terms of that, I, I guess one could name historical precedents, such as in Warcraft 3, which was a highly modelable game, also from Blizzard Entertainment. They had um, access to modding tools and created a lot of fun maps that still have impact to this day. For instance, one of the game modes uh, that, or one of the maps that was fairly um, big was Legion TD. That is now a standalone game in Legion TD 2, not as pl played as much. But of course, Defense of the Asians, that then spawned this genre of MOBA games, the big ones you uh, still recognize in League of Legends, and certainly also Dota 2. Dota 2 itself, has now had a similar situation happen to itself where, you know, it's it was sort of past peak, but the mod support then allowed it to spawn this mini game called Auto Chess. And I believe at this point it has been downloaded more than 5 million times. And it's a huge hit on the, uh, in the, that keeps people in the ecosystem and sort of involves them possibly, right? Because you're already in the game. Maybe you check out the main game. <coughs> I personally 
Um, downloaded Dota because it's a free game, and then it also allows to um, play Auto Chess, which interested me. And then I stuck around and played a couple of games of Dota. So, of course, very anecdotal, but there will always be this residual interest in the main game that will keep people around, right? You'll even see, for instance, in Fortnite, I think the that <laughs> the Battle Royale mode was initially not the planned game uh, main game mode, but even there, the main game sort of was kept alive and people were kept around. And I've heard quite some uh, students of mine uh, now switch to the main game. Ironically, when when the Battle Royale mode became a little bit uh, less interesting, I'm not sure what the numbers are there. In terms of multiplicative tools, the workshop is, in my opinion, only the second in line of these tools that will create much more, exponentially more value than, for instance, a map or even a hero would in terms of interest created for the game. The first tool that was announced like this, which we sadly still don't have access to, is the Overwatch uh, World Cup replay viewer. So during Overwatch World Cup, we had something, or I would say a replay system that allowed very detailed angled approaches where you could do a lot of things creatively, analytically, um, to <coughs> look at the Overwatch World Cup games and give it an artistic shape or just to explain plays. Once again, this being an ex exponential in value, it allowed for the creation of some pretty cool uh, creative movies or analysis pieces. And once we get access to this, not just for Overwatch League, but possibly also for contenders, and then finally for every single player in the game, replays are a multiplicative tool. Though I will say, I think the workshop will be a way bigger, bigger deal than the replay uh, viewer ever will be and as far as like a left field type of move this is something that at least revitalizes my hope for the game now both of these tools sort of work multiplicatively because of one resource that has historically really not been used that well or at all in overwatch and that is crowdsourcing. So initially we had a bunch of uh, player-run tournaments, uh, sorry, not player, but community-run tournaments, but with increasing uh, time and as we got closer to the Overwatch League, certainly it became harder to host these tournaments. It became less attractive for third-party, <coughs> excuse me, organizers to um, get access to these uh tournament licenses and ultimately we they died down almost completely jane very much is one of the only ones still running these on the regular and that keeps that sort of uh, thing alive but with the atlantic showdown and then also um the other tournaments that also competes um contenders regions against each other i think it's in shanghai is run by ESL. The Atlantic Showdown is run by Take TV, to the best of my um, knowledge. 
And in itself, that then opens up the system to more creative ideas, to more eyes, to more ears, and to come up with better solutions. Because as far as we can tell, Overwatch has been a very secluded system where Team 4, or to a large extent uh, Activision Blizzard, really kept the community from creating a lot of um, content around the scene that kept it fairly small. Now, I don't want to necessarily ascribe malicious intent because often you need to require to shut these off in order to have future intellectual property claim on them. Not an expert uh, lawyer in the US, so don't nail me on that. But for instance, the action esports move Certainly, the copyright takedown might certainly be just a necessity in order to have um, future claim <coughs> in court if anything was to uh, arise that actually defends their property, right? Against all kinds of potential uh, uh, opponents. Now, Elohel, for instance, seems to have figured out what it is to make fair use of these highlights and they are now been i think running two weeks now the highlight channel um where you can access highlights they're still fairly frequented content in terms of um viewership numbers consistently growing so that seems to be working and it didn't seem to be a categorical thing where blizzard said we are going to make this but more like a thing where they had to defend their ground which is fair enough uh, other areas where I think Blizzard could do a better job of opening up is, for instance, and that one seems to be the obvious one, in a stats API for Overwatch League and then also for contenders and pro possibly even for ranked games, right? So an open API would immediately give access to... Um, statistical data that goes beyond, beyond, for instance, what Winston's Lab is able to uh, capture with um, uh, active uh, image recognition software. And even though the access of Winston's Lab was very limited in terms of what they were able to derive because they only scanned the kill feed and then the status bar, it was still a highly frequented source of information or data from all kinds of data analysts. Now, one can only imagine what it would do to the scene if an API was created and everyone had access to that specific uh, data, right? And more detailed data. We could have heat maps of players where they are constantly standing. We could have headshot rates from a specific angle or whatever. We could have way more detailed analysis and narrative building than we currently do just by having more eyes on it, people tinkering around more, right? With the approach we currently have, there's only ever so many eyes that uh, have access to it. And as Blizzard also keeps firing uh, personnel on their team, certainly the, the entire structure doesn't get more performance. So as we are opening up to crowdsourcing, I hope this trend keeps on going. Another area we, where we could certainly have uh, more crowdsourcing, now this is a little weird when I say it like that, but for instance, the rule book released with ample time before the season starts. So what would that do? 
certainly before this season starts, then if everyone had access, maybe there's someone that is an expert from another scene that could ha have a look and give his commentary on it. Even laymen will find p uh, peculiarities that will then possibly not uh, create amazing feedback, but might give you a hint as the guy that wrote these roles or is conceiving of them or is conceiving of the important things in them uh, to maybe revise these things. I will also say the thing that happened to Fusions where he wasn't allowed to play against the Shanghai Dragons because he was on a two-way contract and already had to play two games and his team was under the assumption that his contract would just morph into a full uh, full Overwatch League player contract <clears throat> in the game against Shanghai Dragons that didn't lead to, but certainly tainted subsequently, the first victory of the Shanghai Dragons organization by having one of their most important players from their opponents taken away in fusions, right? Boston, moments before the game happened, had to put someone else in, revise the entire game plan. That while Shanghai played very well, and I don't know if that would have mattered, certainly had a very big impact of how that uh, entire narrative was perceived, right? Had this rule been official, I promise you, someone would have found out before Fusion started that this was going to be a problem. Someone in the community would have said, oh, it's very interesting that Fusion is playing the second match, which means that they don't think they need him for the next week. And then Boston would have said, wait, we want to play. Oh, right. So let, now we have a week or more in order to sign Fusions to a full uh, contract, which, by the way, was apparently possible because he played the week after. We had never had this entire shebang, uh, this entire drama, because the community could have been your watchdogs. By the way, also unpaid watchdogs, right? Very cost-efficient. And I will also say, as a final point, it is s sort of my pet peeve that systems seem very closed in Overwatch, where due to non-relegation, uh, uh, for instance, old ideas, old players, old staff is kept out around uh, along way longer than it would necessarily have to. As a result, maybe things change less quickly, good ideas get promoted less quickly, right? Which also keeps contenders performant in effect, right? So the closer we are to community, <clears throat> especially in a uh, in an ever-changing game like the like Overwatch is, where the game is now completely different than it was in Dive, we need as many eyes on the on the entire thing with as much information as possible in order to come up with the best uh, solutions and to limit it to a group of developers, uh, an entire company even, seems very limited and seems very short-sighted in what it does to other scenes. Because what I will say is, is that having been a follower of Blizzard games for... I would say over 15 years, it's probably even longer now. One of the things that always added to the experience, and it's not even just an add-on, but it is actually the real experience, 
is the community of Blizzard games. Was in Warcraft 3 all these mod support uh, sport, supported things, the leaks outside where Blizzard wasn't able to step in yet. Then go into World of Warcraft, having these community blocks, having that access, having um, certainly uh, the competition, the mod, the add-on support also was a big thing in, in World of Warcraft. These things, right, in StarCraft, the many different tournaments that were able to be run because of the third-party system, the more closed off it became, the less, the more stale of an experience it became for me personally, because m less genius, unpaid minds were able to uh, contribute to a scene. And in my experience, esports for the last one and a half decades or two decades has been carried by unpaid workers with great ideas just by the sheer number of people that are willing to participate in making esports a better case. That even though I'm not a businessman, it seems hardly believable that your, your bottom line, your financial bottom line, is actually better by keeping these systems closed and not opening them up in order for the entire scene to embrace it, to also create attachment to your product, to make it a living being that you can identify with and not just something, a monolith that's created and you pray to. And then when it's no longer interesting, you turn around and you go away and you have nothing that keeps you there. You want as many people in all kinds of crafts to be engaged with your game, from the artists to the analysts to the programmers, to create something of value that we can all enjoy. And only then can we have a game that lasts decades long, like CSGO, that we can now only dream of being, uh, of having in, in Overwatch. Now, with the workshop, I think it's not only a great tool, that will have extreme value in terms of what it brings to Overwatch. But I also think the signal that it sends, I hope I it isn't just noise, and I'm over-interpreting this, but the signal that it sends to me is, is that Blizzard is willing to give us more access and therefore for us to create the game we want to see. Thanks for watching.